Amen. All right. I hope you prayed some thankfulness prayers for yourself. But throughout this week, and man, I tell you what, throughout your life, if you can count your blessings, if you can spend time being thankful, it'll change your life. And that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about being thankful. We're going to talk about the power of thankfulness in your life. But man, thankfulness in 2020, what a year we've had. This has been just amazing. I wonder how it's going for you. How's your 2020 going? How is your finances? How is your health? You know, how are you dealing with political realities? You know, some people are very negatively affected. Other people are quite happy. You know, however it's going, this has been a very crazy year. In the spring when COVID shut us down, We tried to get some things taken care of, and then I was able to take eight days and go into the Boundary Waters. The Boundary Waters was closed for COVID. They've learned a lot since then and are being much more targeted in the, in the regulations and stuff now, but the Boundary Waters was closed. But when it opened, I went in on the day that it opened up, spent eight days, had a great time of worshiping God and reconnecting. And I was pretty burnt out. So it was a time to get my spiritual life back, my connection with God back, my emotions back, you know, have my brain slow down and, and be able to just rest. And it was great. And then the day I come out of the Boundary Waters, Minneapolis is on fire. And it's just a crazy year that we've had here. You know, so how do we be thankful in 2020? You know, it's something that's important. We need to stay thankful no matter what. We need to tap into the power of God. How many of you would like to see this world changed for the better? You know, it's been a crazy year, all kinds of stuff going on with politics and, you know, the George Floyd situation, the riots around the nation in Minneapolis uh, with COVID. It's been a rough year. Would you like to change the world for the better? Well, today we're going to talk about how we can change the world for the better. And there's a tool that God puts in our hands to change the world for the better. And that is what we want to grab a hold of today. An important tool that God puts in our hands. And can you guess what that tool is based on what the sermon topic is? It's going to involve being thankful. Let me ask you this question before we really get into this pretty deep. Is the Bible still true? Do you believe that the Bible is true? Even in 2020, with all the stuff going on, is the Bible true? I would say yes and amen. The Bible is true. I trust the Bible as the holy inspired, inerrant word of God. Now let's read something from the Bible. How about 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18? Is that still true? Let me read that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. Do you believe this is true? That we should rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Is this still true? Yes, it is. In 2020, this is true. Whatever your year has been like, this is true. Whatever you're looking at in the future, this is true. We're to rejoice always. I looked up the Greek in the Strong's Concordance and what the Greek word there 
for rejoice means, it means to be calmly happy. For me, rejoice is more like jumping up and down and being excited, you know, rejoicing. But this idea of rejoicing is more about having a sense of security, having a sense of that you're being well taken care of. It's about being calmly happy or well off from the strongs. We've been in youth group earlier in the year. We went through a series called Secure, Grounded, and Safe. And the reality is, for the believer in Jesus, we have a security in the Lord that this world can't take away. We have grounding in eternal things. We don't need to feel like we're floating in space. And of course, we are safe in the provision and protection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes people, even Christian people, they don't feel secure, grounded, and safe. If we have Christ, and yet we don't feel secure, grounded, and safe, then this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always is something we need to try to grab hold of and tap into to have that calm happiness, that sense of rejoicing and being taken care of by Almighty God, protected by God. Rejoice always. Then the next verse we read was pray continually. We're to be people of prayer, that we are to have a vibrant prayer life and not lose that prayer life. That's what pray continually means. For people, you know, it's one of the verses that I like to think people uh, take hyper literally. They take it beyond what it really means to, to say, well, you got to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What I think pray continually means is be a person of prayer, have a vibrant prayer life. Have that be an important part of your life and don't lose it. Don't lose your prayer life. Continue being a person of prayer. This season is not the time for you to put your faith on hold. Now is not the time for you to just kind of set God off to the side as you have to deal with COVID and economic challenges and all these things going on. Now is not to put your faith off to the side. Now is a time to keep on praying. Go deep in prayer now more than ever. Now is a time where we need people all around the world. We need people praying. We need people interceding. We need people having that vibrant prayer life and engaging the things of God in that way. So pray continually. And then verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks no matter what's going on. Give thanks during the COVID season. Give thanks during riots and all that. Give thanks in a political turmoil. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I think this doesn't mean give thanks for all circumstances. There were things that Jesus clearly was unhappy with, and he did not give thanks for. Four, but I don't think Jesus ever lost a thankful heart, that he ever lost that sense of the goodness of his heavenly father and the privilege of being able to be on this earth and be the savior of the world. I think he knew who he was, what he was doing, and he was thankful to be in that position, but he wasn't thankful for everything. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 23, read a couple verses here. Jesus clearly was not thankful for the religious establishment of the day. He wasn't thankful that they were taking the good things of God and just distorting them and causing a serious problem. Jesus was not thankful for the messed up religion of his day 2,000 years ago. I'll give a couple examples. We'll read Matthew 23 verses 13 and 
15. And here's what they say. Jesus is speaking and he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Does this sound like Jesus was being thankful for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these hypocrites? He was not being thankful for them, but I'm sure he was thankful on those days while he's dealing with the injustices of this world. He still was thankful. But hey, I've seen people be thankful for all circumstances and God honor and bless that too. I remember The Hiding Place. If you've read that book, I think they made it a movie too. The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom. And she was talking about being in the Nazi concentration camp and how horrible it was. And her sister praying a prayer of thankfulness and thanking God for the lice in the bed. And I just thought, wow, I'm not sure that's, I mean, be thankful in all circumstances, but thankful for the lice. But she was thankful for the lice. And then later on, they found out that the guards would not go towards the beds because they didn't want to get lice. And they had hid some scriptures in the bed. I don't know if it was a, just a New Testament or a full Bible, but they had, they had scriptures hidden in the bed and they never found them because the guards didn't want to tear the bed apart because they didn't want to deal with all the lice. So sometimes even in circumstances that don't seem like something you should be thankful for, God will use those things to bring out something even better. So there are times where we give thanks and we can give thanks, not even understanding why this could be a good thing. And sometimes God uses those things in powerful ways. But at the same time, it's important to know that the evil things of this world aren't things that you need to give thanks for. If the devil attacks you, don't give thanks that the devil attacked you. You can give thanks that God is bringing you through it. And you're going to learn some things. You're going to be stronger on the other side, but don't give thanks for the devil. That's not what this is talking about. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. The will of God in your life is to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. I tell you what, this might keep us busy for a while, trying to get this accomplished, where we get to the place where we rejoice always, we pray continually, and we give thanks in all circumstances. You know, this will keep you busy trying to serve Jesus in these ways. This is God's will for you. People will ask me questions about what's God's will for my life? What do you think God has for me to do? And the first question isn't what does God have for me to do, but who does God want me to be? That's the first question. God's will is about who God wants you to be. And after that, it's about what he'll have you do. So phase one is who does God want you to be? And this is God wanting you to be somebody who rejoices always. God wants you to be somebody who prays continually. God wants you to be somebody who gives thanks in all circumstances. That when the chips are down, you're still a thankful person. That's who God wants you to be. That is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And it's foundational to any future plans God might have for you. You can't jump into what God has you to do until you become 
who God would have you to be. So we want to rise up by the power of God to become who he created us to be. And then we can reach out and make a difference to change this world. If you want to tap into the power of God to change the world for the better, this is that tool that I was talking about. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5 gives us these three wonderful tools, rejoicing, prayer, and thankfulness. These are tools that we can use to change the world. Obviously, prayer changes the world. Rejoicing changes our hearts and makes a difference in the world. And thankfulness, gratitude, is a tool that God gives us to bring change. We can use all of these, rejoicing, prayer, thankfulness, many other tools in the scriptures. But today we're going to focus on thankfulness and gratitude. Since it's Thanksgiving week, of course, we're going to focus on thankfulness. And here is the major point of the day. So let's grab a hold of this point. This, I'm going to pound this through the rest of the sermon time. Here's our major point. Thankfulness is not just a result of things working out in your life, but it will cause things to work out in your life. Thankfulness shouldn't just be a result of good things happening, but thankfulness can actually be a cause of good things happening. Thankfulness can influence your life. Thankfulness can make a difference. So we use thankfulness not just as a way to acknowledge the good things that are happening, but also as a way to build good things into our life in the future. It's a tool in our hand. Thankfulness is a powerful weapon in the arsenal of the believer to change the world. Now, why do I believe that? Well, years ago, it was time for a Thanksgiving sermon, and so I wasn't really sure what to do, and I decided I'll go look in the Bible and see how many times Jesus gave thanks. I bet he gave thanks a lot, and we'll talk about Jesus giving thanks. And I started looking through the scriptures to find situations where Jesus gave thanks and was thankful. And shockingly, there were very, very few examples of Jesus specifically giving thanks, being grateful. It wasn't in there very often. And I just thought, man, that's strange. And now I'm sure that Jesus was thankful and gave thanks on a regular basis, but it wasn't something that was recorded in the scriptures, but it was recorded, you know, in maybe three situations, possibly four, the Greek word there and the Greek words, they get translated thankfulness, gave thanks, that sort of a thing, blessing, praise, and thanks are all kind of woven together in the Greek. So it's a little bit tricky. You know, you bless the food, you give thanks for the food weaves together. You know, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. They kind of weave together. But these are situations, these three specifically for sure are clear times where Jesus gave thanks. And there's something very specific about these situations that Jesus is recorded in the scriptures as having given thanks. And that is that these are bad situations. These are difficult circumstances where Jesus gives thanks, but then things change. Thankfulness is not just a result of our circumstances, but it's something, a tool in the hand of the believer to change our circumstances. We can change the world through thankfulness. Let's look at the first example. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to read through verses 32 through 38. This is from the uh, account of the feeding of the 4,000. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. 
They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. So this is one of those situations where Jesus is recorded as giving thanks. He took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. Another example is at Lazarus's tomb. So the situation here is that Lazarus is sick. He's actually a friend of Jesus. Jesus would stay with Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. So like they knew each other really, really well. And when Lazarus got sick, Martha and Mary thought for sure Jesus would come and heal him and it would all be good because he's the big miracle worker and he's doing all these great things. And yet Jesus doesn't come and Lazarus dies. And now Martha and Mary have to deal with this disappointment. And so that's where we pick it up. John 11, 32. We're going to read 32 through 44. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus stood up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth Around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus here, this is two of the three, maybe four situations where Jesus is recorded as giving thanks. He's recorded both at the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. So that's a situation. And then here at the tomb of Lazarus, and we'll look at one more towards the end of the service here. But here's the question. When did Jesus give thanks? The feeding of the 4,000, it was when he had seven loaves and some fish to feed 4,000 men plus women and children. Now, I don't know if you're somebody who has to do party planning or any sort of logistics, all that stuff's on hold right now. But, you know, if you were to have a group of, let's say, six to 10,000 people and you had 
seven small loaves of bread and a few fish to feed these, would you be thinking thankful thoughts? Oh, this is so great. This is going to be awesome. Look at this wonderful bounty that we have. Seven loaves and a few fish, and we've got thousands of people to feed. Jesus gave thanks when he had not even close to enough provision to meet the need. When did he give thanks? At Lazarus's tomb. He gave thanks when Mary was thinking, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When the, the Jews that were with Mary and Martha were saying, you know, we thought he was something special. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying if he can open the eyes of the blind? People are questioning his ability to meet the need. And at that time, he thanks God that he is heard by God. He gives thanks before the miracle happens. He gives thanks while everybody's questioning whether or not he can get the job done. What did he give thanks for? He gave thanks for the meager provision. He gave thanks for the fact that his father in heaven hears his voice and responds. So he gives thanks for the meager provision. While it looks like there's no chance that this is going to work out, he gives thanks for the power he has to connect with God the Father and receive miracles from the Father while people have just seen a man die and he's in the tomb for four days. What was the result? The result of the feeding of the 4,000 was that there was more left over at the end than there was when they started. They had more left over of bread and fish, these basketfuls left over. That was more than what they started for. An incredible miracle happened that the need was there. It wasn't looking good. Jesus gives thanks. Miracle happens. Everything works out great. There's the great disappointment of the death of Lazarus. Jesus gives thanks that God hears him, that the father hears him. And the result is that Lazarus is raised from the dead and it's an incredible miracle. But Jesus gave thanks first. There is no recording of him giving thanks afterwards. After the miracle happens is before. Before the miracle is when Jesus gives thanks. Giving thanks is a tool. It's a weapon in our warfare to help change the world. You want to see things change? Start giving thanks before the miracle. Start giving thanks before the change. And science is on our side with this too. I did some Googling, you know, the effects of thankfulness on the brain. So go ahead and Google that. But here's the deal. Studies have shown that people who practice thankfulness and gratitude are happier and healthier. They sleep better. They have less pain. Their thinking is more clear. This is measurable in the brain through science. So Google that, check it out. You know, if you're having those personal problems, you can start being thankful and see those things change just in your life. So let me ask you, what challenges are you facing right now? What are you facing? Got some family problems, got some financial problems. You got some hope problems. You don't have any hope. Where are you at? Do you feel like that God doesn't hear you? Do you feel like the provision isn't enough? What are you facing? When should you give thanks? We're going to follow Jesus' example. We give thanks before the problem is fixed. We give thanks ahead of time. What do you give thanks for? Tell you, you give thanks for absolutely anything you can find. Jesus gave thanks for seven loaves and a few fish. He had thousands and thousands of people to feed. Give thanks for any little thing that you can find. And if you can't find anything, give thanks that God loves you and that you know he's going to see you through. 
You don't know how that's going to happen, but you know he's going to see you through and you thank God for that. You thank God that the situation is going to change. You don't know how. You got nothing to bring to the table. You got nothing you can see there, but you're going to thank God that he knows and he's going to take care of it. You give thanks first. What will the result be? The result will be the miracle power of thankfulness. You will see the power of thanksgiving to change things in your life. There are natural changes that will come to pass because you're being thankful and we can believe God for the miraculous change that comes to pass because we're being thankful. Giving thanks when it's real will change your circumstances. So keep it up. So don't just mouth the words of being thankful, but cultivate thankfulness in your heart. Get it deep into who you are. Start building the skill of thankfulness. If you don't think there's anything you have to be thankful for, then you need to develop your skill of being thankful. You need to be able to see because there are things to be thankful for. There are things in your life. There are things right now to be thankful for. And you have to see them. Practice it. Practice being thankful. Make it real. Grab hold of it. Or, of course, you could refuse to be thankful. What are your options? You know, what are my other options? If I don't want to be thankful, you know, because my life is miserable. What are your other options? Well, of course, you can be unthankful. Just say that everything is garbage. You can be very unthankful. You could be despairing. You could be covetous. You could think, well, they have all this stuff and I don't have this stuff. How come I don't have that stuff? I want that stuff. You could be covetous. You could be greedy. You could be entitled. You can say people need to be giving me more opportunities than what I have. You can have a sense of entitlement. You can be discontent. You can blame other people. You got lots of other options besides being thankful. Let me ask you this question. What would our world be like today if everyone on the planet, they stopped being covetous, they stopped feeling entitled, they stopped blaming others, they stopped feeling despair, and they turned their heart over to thankfulness? What would this world be like if everyone was thankful? What would this world be like if you were thankful in all circumstances? And if everyone you met was thankful in all circumstances, what would this world be like? It would be amazing. It would be incredible. It would be beautiful. But if instead you go down the road of unthankfulness, covetousness, despairing, greedy, entitlement, you know, being discontent and blaming, what is that going to do to your future? What is your life going to be like if you live it unthankfully? It's going to have a negative impact. Be thankful. Don't curse what you have. Don't curse your future. Grab a hold of thankfulness and goodness. The third time that Jesus is recorded as giving thanks is at the Last Supper. I want to go to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to read just a portion of this account at the Last Supper, the portion where Jesus gives thanks. And this is Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. And here's what it says. Again, they're at the Last Supper. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gave thanks for the bread that was broken. This is my body and the cup 
He gave thanks and he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus at the last supper, that was, this was the night before he was going to be arrested. The next day he was going to be crucified. This is the time when he gives thanks. What is he giving thanks for? He's giving thanks for God's plan that he would go to the cross, that he would be scourged, that he would be crucified and that he would die. His blood would be shed. This is what Jesus is giving thanks for. He did this before he went. And what was the result? The result was that Jesus was able to face this great challenge, this incredible, I don't even know how to put it into words. Jesus himself prayed to his father in heaven. If there is any way, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus said to his father, this was an incredible weight, but Jesus gave thanks for it. And then he prayed in the garden and he received power from on high to walk through what he was going to have to walk through with victory. He was not a victim. He was a conqueror. He was a warrior that got the victory through the cross. He went through it, grabbing hold of thankfulness and trusting God. And he was able to make it through. I had a friend, a pastor friend one time ask, why did Jesus have his disciples pray with him? You know, when he was praying in the garden, you know, father, if there's any way, may this cup be taken away from me. He had his disciples pray with him too. They fell asleep and all this stuff. But why did Jesus have his disciples pray? Because it's not like Jesus wasn't going to go to the cross. This was going to happen. You know, if they're praying, let it not happen. You know, that prayer was not going to be answered. Why would Jesus have them pray? And I think the answer is quite clear. If they prayed, they could be spiritually prepared to walk through the trial too. Jesus was spiritually prepared to walk through the trial. He was thankful for the opportunity to be the savior of the world, to sacrifice himself that all humans across the planet who would be willing to accept it could be redeemed and brought into the family of God and receive the same inheritance as Jesus himself. He was thankful to be in that situation. The disciples, however, when Jesus was arrested, they didn't know what to do. They were scared. You know, Peter denied the Lord. It was chaos for them. They weren't ready to face it. But if they'd been able to pray and been able to gain strength from God, they could have faced it with strength. Jesus was thankful. And the result was that he was able to face the trial with the strength of God and not crumble. He had power to go through it and face the difficulty. If Jesus could face the cross with peace in his heart as an overcomer, as going to take the victory, embrace the moment. If he could do that at that time, we can do that today. We can face our trials. We can face our difficulties. We can face our challenges with thankfulness and power and being joyful because we're walking in prayer and we're trusting God. We can do that. So let's put 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 into practice. Again, if you remember what we read, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's put this into practice. When do we give thanks? We give thanks first. What do we give thanks for? 
We give thanks for anything we can find. And what will the result be? God will meet you where you're at and he'll help you get through it. So I want you to to search your heart right now. What is something that you need to change in your life? Something you'd like to see change in this world? We're going to give thanks. We're going to do that now before the situation changes. And then we're going to trust God for the result. Trust God to bring about something good in the midst of the difficulties that we face. This is how we can have a tool in our hand for change. This is a weapon of our warfare is thankfulness. Be thankful first. You got a family issue. It's Thanksgiving. Maybe the Thanksgiving table is going to be a place of tension. Give thanks first. You got financial problems. You got some big issues going on because of all the, how the economy has been affected, all this stuff. Give thanks first. You got a health problem. Give thanks first. Be thankful in all circumstances. And then you can trust God for the miracle. So let's pray. Let's put this into practice. I want you to look in your heart. What's something you need to be thankful for and to use as a tool to bring change. So let's pray and let's believe God for something good to happen. Heavenly father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your holy scriptures, for your word. Thank you for the guidance that your word gives us and Lord help us to put it into practice because we know when we live by your word that we get to grab hold of your blessings. We get to grab hold of the good things that you have for us. Lord, your word here, what we read was that we are to rejoice always, we're to pray continually, and we're to give thanks in all circumstances because this is your will for us, that we grab hold of these things. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us now that you would show us something to be thankful for. Lord, before the change happens, before the miracle happens, before things get better, Lord, show us what to be thankful for and help us to grab hold of that, to be thankful in all circumstances, trusting that you are going to bring something good, knowing that you are above our circumstances. You are more powerful than our circumstances. And Lord, let us not cave to being unthankful, cave to being despairing, cave to being greedy or covetous or entitled. Lord, help us to be thankful instead and let us watch you do great and mighty things. Lord, we know you'll do that. Help us to count our blessings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.